Welcome to Value Investing, the Starvine Way, where my goal is to help you learn more about value investing and compounding wealth with a long-term focus. I'm your host, Stephen Coe, founder and portfolio manager of Starvine Capital. This podcast is for informational purposes only. Information relating to investment approaches or individual securities should not be construed as investment advice or endorsement. Listeners should seek advice that reflects their personal financial situation. Almost eight years ago, I wrote a piece on Moneyball, a Michael Lewis book about the Oakland A's 2002 season. It was also made into a successful Hollywood film in 2011. The whole story resonated with me due to the striking similarities between pro baseball and investing. Nothing in my mind is more effective than using this metaphor to grasp the concept of value investing. The skinny of it is that by focusing in on player statistics that were under-recognized at the time as having predictive value, most importantly on-base percentage, the Oakland A's were able to acquire strong players for very cheap prices and thus achieve an outsized performance on a low budget. The story goes back to the 1970s when a security guard by the name of Bill James studied and wrote books about baseball statistics. He coined the term sabermetrics, which he defined as the search for objective knowledge about baseball. And although the study of the sport's stats has been around for as long as baseball has been in existence, he helped to gain mainstream popularity through his writings. And one of his revelations was that there were great inefficiencies in terms of how professional players were valued and the overemphasis on a player's batting average, which to this day is what's displayed on the screen when a player goes to bat. But the batting average does not capture the entire picture of a player's contributions to a team's wins. Batting average accounts for only base hits yet was always viewed until that point as the measure of the batter. Thus, players who improved their frequency of getting on base by scoring a lot of walks were systematically overlooked and undervalued. Also, at the time, the search and recruiting process lacked objectivity. Scouts would attend games and use a purely qualitative observation system called the Five Tools to identify talent. They would look for running speed, throwing strength and accuracy, fielding skills, hitting skills, and power. Already you can see the comparisons with investing. On one level, if an investor does not employ an objective system in the stock selection process, the portfolio will be the result of someone going off impressions. But the truth is that each investment account consists of a certain number of dollars. How much value can be purchased with those dollars? Do the players, in this case companies in the portfolio, get on base consistently enough in terms of reinvesting profits successfully? Is the CEO of each of your portfolio companies a good investor in terms of deciding where money is best put to work depending on the situation? And just as importantly, can we find companies whose ability to get on base is underappreciated for whatever reason and therefore allow us the opportunity to pay less than a fair price that would be quoted if every buyer was looking at this situation in a fair, level-headed way? If you look at the behavior of market participants over the years, does this not all already ring a bell? Except the madness in the markets has been far greater than in baseball. Even in recent history, during the pandemic, there was a total abandonment by a large portion of the market to value a company's earnings power in a discriminating way. Not everyone, but we witnessed certain areas of the market defy gravity. There were the meme stocks, SPACs, which stands for Special Purpose Acquisition Companies, and anything that had to do with e-commerce or business that enabled one to work from home. They were all manias and bubbles. 
So along comes Billy Bean, general manager of the Oakland A's, and the assistant manager, Paul DiPadista, both of whom studied sabermetrics and were about to shake up how players were recruited, how much to pay for them, and the tactics that would be encouraged and discouraged on the playing field. No one was more familiar with the misallocation of budgets than Billy Bean himself, who displayed the qualities the scouts were seeking and was convinced by them to pass on a joint baseball-football scholarship from Stanford. The Oakland A's became pioneers by using sabermetrics to buy bases as cheaply as possible. At the crux of Bean's success was his ability to find talent that was shunned due to a temporary issue or defect. For example, appearance, age, awkward body mechanics, or a recent injury that created the impression of being undesirable despite having achieved a strong track record. In the 2015 memo, I laid out several lessons that apply to long-term investing, but I will explore a few in this episode in the interest of brevity. One of those lessons was just mentioned, and that is that we should be indifferent to misfits and defects at the right price. The Oakland A's were able to acquire Chad Bradford, one of the most effective relief pitchers in Major League Baseball, for only $237,000. His performance warranted a price closer to $3 million, but he was undervalued in the eyes of scouts due to his unorthodox, underhand pitching style, known as submarining. It appeared outright bizarre. Despite Bradford's impressive track record, he was kept on the Chicago White Sox's AAA team until Bean and DiPadista found him. Here are a few lines from Michael Lewis's book on page 233. The White Sox didn't trust Chad Bradford's success. The White Sox front office didn't trust his statistics. Unwilling to trust his statistics, they fell back on more subjective evaluation. Chad didn't look like a big leaguer. Chad didn't act like a big leaguer. Chad's success seemed sort of fluky. He was a trickster that big league hitters were certain to figure out. In investing, companies with perceived defects or uncertainties can lead to fat pitches for investors with a longer time horizon. Sometimes an entire sector becomes out of favor resulting in low stock prices for all companies in the industry. U.S. housing was one such group that was indiscriminately sold off during the 2008-2009 recession. However, despite the weakness in the sector, the low valuations created opportunities in companies whose profitability and balance sheets were above average for the beaten-up group. Another situation where a defect often leads to misappraisal is when a company's overall profitability is suffering as a result of one loss-making division offsetting the profits of a healthy growing division. In such instances, valuing each division separately is likely to lead to a different answer versus the conclusion drawn by the unaware investor who takes the consolidated profit at face value without inspecting the underlying progress of each division. Another key lesson from baseball and investing is that randomness can overwhelm and obscure short-term results. Pete Palmer is a pioneer in sabermetrics and in his book, The Hidden Game of Baseball, he wrote that the average difference in baseball due to skill is about one run a game, while the average difference due to luck is about four runs a game. Even in a five-game series, the worst team in baseball will beat the best about 15% of the time. Those findings explain why Bean did not watch the Oakland A's games, but rather listened in from a radio in the team gym. He purposely distanced himself so as to not become emotionally engaged in any single game, the outcome of which was subjected more to luck than process. Stock investing is a parallel universe in which we are awash in short-term randomness, both in stock price fluctuations and quarterly results. Our energies are not best used by checking stock prices too much and getting wound up in the market's gyrations. Instead, investors should keep a distance and be as dispassionate as possible after conducting the research for any given company. 
If you approach public equities as having fractional ownership of businesses, the time required for your thesis to play out could equate to the time required for the chosen companies to grow their businesses, which in all likelihood will require years instead of quarters. The following are other noteworthy comparisons between Moneyball and investing, in no particular order. Taking advantage of the motivated or forced selling of other market participants. In baseball, bargains tend to be created in the second half of the season. Opposing teams would sell players they had given up on to shore finances for the next season. With equities, prices may be driven down unnaturally during certain times of the year. For example, tax loss harvesting and window dress selling at year-end by fund managers to avoid the display of losing positions on client statements. Minimizing low percentage tactics. Billy Bean discouraged stealing and bunts because he observed that those were high-risk and low-return tactics. In investing, I would view most IPOs, and here I would revise the table at the end of my write-up, but most IPOs have a low success rate and therefore are, in my view, uninvestable. And also, I would eliminate most resource exploration companies that generate no cash flow and that have no prospect of reaching a profitable state for several years. The thinking here goes back to inversion. We take a leap forward to success by culling bad behaviors. Next, placing emphasis on the right information and metrics. We discussed earlier how sabermetrics allowed the uncovering of hidden value by paying attention to on-base percentage, rather than batting average. In investing, it may be harder to narrow a company's performance down to a single number, but return on capital would be the comparable metric to long-term investing as on-base percentage is to baseball. A high return on capital for a company over an extended time period is a sign that the business could have moats from competition, which would increase the chances that profit can be reinvested at a decent rate over the long term. Identifying the reasons or defects which lead to the undervaluation. In Moneyball, we saw that the player's defects stood out. Examples included age, weight, and unconventional body mechanics. In investing, companies' share prices can trade at a discount for a wider range of reasons, including the market's perception of them being identifiable with an out-of-favor industry, a market panic, the existence of hidden assets, forced selling due to a corporate event, and negative media attention from a short-term issue. Lastly, we'll go through career risk. Had Bean given in to the anxiety of potentially getting fired and abandoned his statistical approach, he would have produced average results. When portfolio managers buy in vogue stocks for fear of looking wrong rather than for true merit, they become closet indexers. That is, they construct portfolios for clients that don't venture too far from the indexes they're measured against, but yet market the funds as being the product of deep fundamental research. The desire here for job security thus supersedes the goal of producing alpha. If I had to select one lesson from Moneyball, I would emphasize the importance of getting on base. In seeking players with a high on-base percentage, Bean and Adipadista strove to construct a portfolio that was best positioned to maximize the number of wins with limited resources. In your own portfolio, getting on base can be achieved by 1. Minimizing big errors and 2. Investing in companies that offer a compelling combination of low valuation and above average quality. Avoiding mistakes is easier said than done, but if you stay the course and realize that some home runs will happen while focusing squarely on getting on base, in other words not being too aggressive, a satisfactory level of long-term compounding should be the result. We hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, please like, subscribe, and share.
Questions can be sent to podcast at starvinecapital.com. On a final note, thank you for the reviews on Apple Podcasts as that helps us get discovered. Thank you.